yeah. to call oh, what, WSNBC yes. New yes. York. Yes, you got it. Call them. Yes. Speak to the... The programming manager there, the program director. Do you want to program this? Yes. And they say yes? Yes. And they pay you money? Uh, through a ad share revenue stream. So you... Um, 50% of the ads that are uh, sold that night go, yeah. to, go to the filmmaker. Okay. So it's a... It's can, a, we, it's a, a can we just blow my mind right there? Come on! It's a hard way to make a, um, sales. It's so much easier to go with a sales agent and just them do the work for you, but yeah. if, if you want no, but to... but nobody does this. Nobody does it. This is the thing. Because it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, and, and it's it's a massive undertaking. How many phone calls did you make to get that 195? Probably double that, at least. Yeah. Okay, so you made... 400 phone calls. Yes. <laughs> on an ad share. Sure. With, what, that's amazing. Yeah. I, sorry, I, I'm going to just emphasize this for just a second because if you're listening to this or you're watching this on YouTube, that's that's hustle. It's insane. That is it's hustle. insane as well. Hello, it's Jesse Eichmann here and welcome to another episode of The Business of Film. If you just listened to this intro, then you know that I am pumped about this episode. It's one of my favorite episodes that I've done longtime friend, filmmaker, somebody I've known in the business for the last, I don't know, 10 years, Sean Cisterna. He has worked on multiple films, starting with, and we'll get into this in the podcast, uh, as many as 10 feature films at $5,000 a piece when he was just getting started. This guy, he epitomizes hustle. He is the kind of guy that you can take what he says to heart because he's done it. He's put those films that he's made on his credit card. He has done it all. And he's out with a new film right now called Kiss and Cry. So I'm happy to have him on the show. One quick thing before we get started here, folks. If you are enjoying this, please subscribe. It means the world. Leave a comment or just uh, you can check us out on YouTube as well. If you want to watch some of the visuals, you can do that at youtube.com forward slash Jesse Eichmann. And without further ado, here we go with my good friend, Sean Cisterna. We're back. You don't use headphones? This is not like a studio. Well, I pic- you want me to use headphones? I pictured it like a you want, radio you want booth. You headphones or you, you can no, listen to yourself? No, 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 no. It's no, great. No, no, Here, look at no. this. I'll be distracted. But I look like an idiot when I wear headphones. You look good. You look there intimidating. Are, there are guys on, on, on YouTube, right, that do this thing where they put the headphones on and they, they do the whole, you know video camera yeah. yourself podcasting which is weird so we try and cut this up into something that's actually uh you know usable for youtube and usable for podcasts but if i were to wear this for you know on uh, like i look like yeah. a, i look like a schmuck it's i'm more comfortable talking to non-headphone jesse like non-princess leia yeah sad but non-princess leia <laughs> yeah you know jesse anyway how are you I'm good. Thank yeah, you. Thank for, you. I will put this on periodically just to make sure we're actually still understood. You know, actually doing this thing. How the hell are you? I'm good. Yeah, it's a it's a busy time of year. Um, I have a film coming out, and I'm I'm learning all about distribution, getting my hands dirty in that. So, yeah, it's it, I'm I'm going through the learning curve right now of of getting into distribution as well as. Uh, okay, so like we we got to go way back because nobody yeah. who's listening to this knows who you are. Okay, you and I have this weird and odd connection, which we will which we're going to come full circle on a little bit later on in the show. But tell my audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. How'd you get into this? How long you've been doing this? Sure. How do you um, think of yourself? Um, how do I think of myself? Okay. Well, I guess to the um, to the chagrin, I guess, of my film professors, I mean, I, I produce and direct and edit. I, mean, I know you should only focus on, on one thing, but I, I tend to do all three. Um, 
and it all stems from a love of, of filmmaking. So I, I wanted to be a director, but every time I became obsessed with a project and, and wanted to see it through, I was the only one to take that initial leap and, and, and meet with broadcasters and, and you know develop a script and, and pitch it to distributors. So You know what, I'll tell you though, today, I think, I think what you're saying was relevant about maybe five years ago or ten years ago. Today, I don't believe that. Today, I actually believe that in order to get anywhere, having that sort of, you know, the ability to be the director, the producer, the writer, or just to wear multiple hats yeah. is actually probably way more to your benefit now and a skill set that you probably welcome having now versus not having, I'm, I'm uh, guessing. Absolutely, yeah. And, and same with the, on the editing side of things. I mean, like, I'll, I'll do the first cut of my, uh, of the, my films simply to get um, familiar with the, the footage and, and to be able to communicate to the editor better because I know where every, the best takes are in every bin sort of thing. And, right. And if I've trained myself to use an Avid, then, you know, it's... it's so you're it's, an Avid guy? I'm an Avid guy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how many films have you made so far as, as the, you know... Real films or like... No, well, let's, total, let's start with total. fake films. I want to know what those are. Fake, fake films? films? Okay, well I, well, I first started in the industry like right out of um, university. So there were these postings up at the York University Film School. Like film students were um, come work on this production in the summer for PBS. It was a PBS kids show called Ricky's Room. I saw those postings, I took them all down, and I was the only one who got the job from, from York. It was awesome. Uh, so I cheated my way into the industry. It's horrible. Horrible right, to say okay. that. But, um, it, you know, serendipitously, I mean, that, that same guy who's producing that kid show has also produced every feature moving forward. It's been a, it's been a great... How many features <laughs> are you up to now? Uh, well, I did... I did uh, a series of, t there was this one distributor right after university who, this is when the DVD craze was still happening and DVDs were selling. Was this 2000 and something? Two, early, yeah, early, mid 2000s, okay, so yeah. like 2003, 2004. And this distributor came up and said, I don't care what you give us, we, we just want to design covers, it can be shit in a box, just, just put it out there, just give us something. So he gave us, I think, fifty thousand dollars to make ten films. So five thousand dollar micro what? budget features. That was like a very good film education. The movies are crap, and they were designed to just be like he said, shit in a box that we can sell it in the Walmart bargain bins. Oh my god! So it was a it was a great um, secondary type of film school where right. we could work with very little money and shoot efficiently, um, and, and very creatively as well. So I mean. Yeah, like I said, they, they, they are a stain on anyone's resume, but still, it was an okay, so invaluable those, education. Those, those $10,000, $5,000 micro, and I want to, I actually, I, what did you learn when doing those five, or those, what, five, yeah. ten? ten? Ten features. I learned how to schedule efficiently. I learned how to uh, get cover the most uh, basic form of coverage right. and needed to cut together a scene. We focused nothing on acting. It was like one or two takes max. Um, right, so you're like Clint Eastwood. Well, he, he has multiple days. I, I had five days to shoot. You know what I'm just saying? <laughs> it's kind yeah. of like the Clint Eastwood philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. Like one take, oh, yeah, done. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so in, in that sense, it was a, an invaluable learning experience. But like I said, it was a, they, they didn't go to Cannes, for example, Cannes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then, okay, so, so after that, how many films has it been now that you've... That so you've real played? films, it's been about uh, five, five features. So I did a, a movie for, for YTV called King of the Camp in, in 2007. That was a YTV musical. Um, then I did a movie called Moon Point. That was a, a, a credit card film. Mm -hmm. So that was my, I guess, first foray in, into producing Your own myself. money. My own money, yeah. Make it back? 
I did, yeah. How much was the budget? 75 and we made 80 That's a win. That is a, That's that a, is win. a win. That is That's a, a big win. Especially when, you know, the visa card was paid off, absolutely. And were you married at the time? Yes. Yeah, was, just was your had wife my, killing you? A little bit, yeah. Right. Yep. It was a it was a it was a gamble for sure. But uh, what was the film about? It was a, a road trip comedy about this young guy who travels hundreds of miles on the back of his best friend's electric wheelchair to meet the girl he used to be in love with in elementary school. Electric wheelchair love story road drama. Trip, yeah. Road trip drama. Road trip drama. That sounds like a really marketable film. Um, no. <laughs> but you good. made your money back. Absolutely. It was a comedy. And, and how'd you make your money back? Where did it come uh, from? It uh, sold to Latin America. It got a decent broadcast sale here right. at, the, at the movie network uh, in Canada. And it did well theatrically. We made about, um, you know, ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 over a couple of weeks just in, in box office alone. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. That's actually, what, what year was this? That was uh, 2010. Okay, so actually fairly recent, re- yeah. relatively speaking. Yeah. That's, that's a great result. And that brought you to your next project? Yes. Um, I did a documentary with, with Hot Docs, uh, the Doc Ignite program called 30 Ghosts. Uh, that's at the NFB right now. It's about a paranormal investigator who risks everything financially to pursue uh, her dream. I'm yeah. going to stop right there because I think I, I, I want to I emphasize something that I think people who are listening to this might be glossing over. And the reason why I'm going into this with you now is because you've made, you made 10 like ridiculously low budget where somebody basically exploited you features. Yes. Then you went, you, you, you basically put your marriage in jeopardy and made uh, a, a movie. Then you went on to, you know, the thing is it's the levels, it's the learning, it's the, it's the not wanting or not, I mean, wanting, I'm going to separate out the wanting. It's the learning step by step and actually getting to where you are now, which mm-hmm. we're going to get to, mm-hmm. but having gone through basically, uh, I, 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 would, I would presume, a form of, of hell, but not really, sure. enjoyable hell. Boot camp, I'd Boot call it. Camp, yeah. But yeah. you bootstrapped your way to being a working director. A guy sure. who, you, know, you don't make five films, you don't turn around at you know, whatever age you are, because you, yeah. you look wonderful, yeah, but you don't turn you. around <laughs> and make five films having not gone through a boot camp, and this is your boot camp. And I think people today want to skip all that because they, they think they can go faster. And I don't believe you can, I mean, listen, there's always the person who's lucky, but most people have to go through that process, and this was your process. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, looking back at it now, I, I do think that that's kind of the way I went. But it does seem like people are just coming out and making their first film, and they're, they're, they're wonderkins. And then, you're right, it does happen, but... Yeah, but that's not well, that... I, like, I feel yes, like... People I, are, there's always going to be a wonderkin. There's yeah. always going to be somebody who's going to be yeah. the poster child, or who's going to... Yeah. You know, be the guy who wins the award and everybody lauds them and whatever. And, and that, sure, that happens a couple times, yeah, here, yeah. for sure. But most people don't do that. Mm-hmm. Most people do, ideally, what, what you do. Now, did you always know this is what you wanted to do? Was this something that, like, you, you got out of school, you were like, this is, this, is, this is my life? Yeah, I think ever since I saw, like, E.T. as a kid and right. I just realized the power of, of what movies could do. Like, I left the theater crying and, you know, my dad had to hug me and... Just realize then that that uh, this moving image could could affect a person so greatly. So that was the the first I don't know inkling of interest in the, in the industry for sure. Right, and then so okay, so I was going to fast forward to to the film that, that that you have now, and then we'll kind of 
jump around a bit for fun. But sure. The film you've, you've got out right now is called Kiss and Cry. Yeah. It's about to come out. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're gonna. You, can we can, can we talk some details? Let's talk about that. Okay. Well, what can I? I'm gonna start with. This is the Business of Film podcast. What was your? First of all, what's it? What's it about? Um. Kiss and Cry is uh, the true story of Carly Allison. So it's a romantic drama about Carly Allison. And if you don't know Carly, she was this up-and-coming figure skater and singer, and she she finds love just as she's diagnosed with this incredibly rare cancer. Second person on Earth, one in three and a half billion form of cancer. So it's a, a love story between her and her boyfriend. Okay, and you um, you worked on it for how long? You wrote the script? Uh, I helped develop the script, yeah. yeah. I raised the initial seed money um, to, to hire a writer to, to draft it out. But overall, it's been about a year and a half. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, that's mm-hmm. pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Start to finish. You mean from, from the time you initially had your idea to it, yeah. filming was how long? Process free. Uh, honestly, I hate to say it, but, but four months. Wow. It's um, The financiers approved the first draft, and... Uh, and everyone, I've, I've never worked in the, in the public system before. I've always, like, financed my own projects or, or used, um, uh, you know, obviously soft money here in, in the country. But um, this is the first time, after the success of the last film I did, Full Out, this is the first time, like, financiers actually wanted to come on board and just yeah. support the project. And I want to talk great. about Full Out as well, because mm-hmm. that, that was a cool process, mm-hmm. too. But so, 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 so this film now, uh, budget was how much? Uh, around 1.1, 1.2. That's a great... Great spot. Jumping up from seventy five thousand, it was it was a it was a it was a magical sum of money for me for sure. Yeah, and how did you um, deploy those resources when you when you when you found yourself with that amount of money? Mm-hmm. What was your? I mean, was it that the script demanded that amount of money, or was it that you had that amount of money and you needed to deploy the resources in a way that would just get you the best product? It was a it was an ambitious shoot for sure. I mean, the locations were staggeringly difficult to get um, because it's based on a true story I wanted to stay as true to it as possible and you know this girl Carly um, she she was an elite figure skater so we had to shoot at this pristine figure skating club uh, the cricket club it's a private club in Toronto and right. just imagine trying to get that location she uh, was treated at the Princess Margaret Cancer Center and that's a, a you know a big chemotherapy um, oncology center in here in, in the city and that's almost impossible to get as well and she was a, an anthem singer at the Air Canada Centre for the, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, you know, it was in the script that she sang at a live game in front of 18,000 people and had, had to shoot that as well. So That's great. And we, we accomplished all those things. Like, you know, when you say that name, Carly Allison, people open their doors. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and you had how many days to shoot the project? Uh, about 20. That's good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was yeah. comfortable. It was yeah, comfortable. It's good. Yeah, I did. I felt like you know, it's still Not occasionally lot, rushed, but, but yeah, you know, know, way more time than five days for sure, Jesse. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. So, um, so tell me, when you, the 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 financing came together, how? Because you said it came together fairly quickly. So, what 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 were the pieces? Who came in um, board for you? Honestly, I I. I, I sort of went the municipal route first. So okay. I, I live in uh, a town called Richmond Hill, Ontario, and they have a, uh, an endowment fund for the arts, and that's where I got my first initial seed money. I think it was like $5,000 to write the script. Okay. And with that, just having that first draft of the script and some regional money attached or municipal money attached, I can bring it to, to telefilm and, and broadcasters um, and the provincial um, organization, the OMDC, yep. and... and they all they came all on board. In. Yeah, and then the rest round out the rest with I assume some tax with incentives and, and some a little bit of private money as well. Yeah, mm. great. Mm-hmm. How how much is your private investor in for? 
250. That's a good. Mm -hmm. That's a solid amount. Yeah. That's not that. That's not chump change at this day and age. No, not at all. That's great. And do you have a distributor attached for it? Uh, who's distributing? Because it is it is releasing soon. It's releasing soon. So we had yeah. um, Elevation Pictures on board. Yeah. Um, and then we're you know this is where I'm kind of learning what distribution's all about in this right. country. So, you know. Even though distributors are there and they do their thing, they do not as much as the filmmaking team would want them to do. So, but isn't that always the case? Isn't always I don't the case know. I've never had a distributor before right. like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> to work with us on this level. So, um, yeah. So this, once elevation, uh, first of all, elevation is one of the more uh, prestigious, robust, yeah. prestigious yeah. distributors here in Canada. Yeah. For, for our listeners, there they're also capitalized by uh, uh, by a wonderful person and. Uh, I guess financier out of the states as well as part of their, their right. kind of their, their seed money, mm -hmm. um, and so they're you know they 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 compete alongside probably the the largest I would think now E one in Canada. So I think being up with either an elevation or E one certainly in Canada is is an amazing place to be. Yeah. And um, how many screens are they uh, going to be putting it out on for you? Uh, well, that's the thing. That's we're trying to um, we we kind of took the film and and wanted to do something different. Uh, so we are doing this national sort of um, event screening on World Cancer Day, which is uh, February fourth, uh, twenty seventeen. So we release in Toronto, uh, Calgary, Edmonton, um, and then we have a number. So across the country. Uh, and, and they're kind of spread out around yeah. that World Cancer Day, just to 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 um, when cancer awareness is at its highest. You know, that's amazing. Being a cancer-based film, and that, that's what I've kind of learned about the uh, doing this film is um, marketing, like how important marketing is from your your concept and up to the release of the film. So let's actually put a quick pause on that for just one quick second because sure. I'm doing this video thing at the same time. Oh, I'm still recording. This is good. Yeah. Those who are listening, I'm not going to cut now. I'm just going to tell the <laughs> listeners. I just want to make sure that the little red light was blinking. And we're back. And, <laughs> well, that's where I would normally yeah. put my, you know, my my advertising. Yeah. That's that's yeah. where all the big money goes. Right. So in the future, when I have you know big money rolling yeah. in on this thing, you know, yeah. five bucks, ten bucks, you make that's a little exactly, splice there, and that's where the, the cut happens gotcha. right there. So what are you? So so let let's tease this out a bit. What are you actually learning practically about this distribution phase of? Um, the filmmaking process. That if you don't do that marketing work beforehand, like in the development of your script, then there is no market for your for your, for your movie. So I was very, and it came like from listening to podcasts like this. I remember you had um, Dan Lyon on, and I think I was listening to your podcast as I was developing this the script, and he talked about how, um, you know, this is the head of um, Telefilm Canada for those listening, or the the Ontario office. Um, that you know, filmmakers have to come in with a, a, an audience in mind and a mm -hmm. marketing plan before you, you know, before you. In addition to bringing in your just your story, so I took that to heart, and you know, and even the synopsis I said. So Carly Allison, it's a romantic drama. Um, Kiss and Cry is a romantic drama about Carly Allison, uh, up and coming figure skater and singer who's diagnosed with an incredibly rare cancer. Um, just as she finds love. So right there we have, you know, the romance angle. She's a figure skater, so we're working with um, uh, organizations like Skate Canada and Skate Ontario and dis different provincial skating boards to okay. spread the word uh, amongst their communities. Um, she's a, a singer, so we have, um, you know, she was covered, uh, Christina Perry, this huge UK singer. Um, Carly did a, an, a cover of her song, and that reached like a, a million people. Um, so we're, we're working with all these um, high-end musicians. 
um, and then the, the cancer angle. So we work with Princess Margaret Hospital and, and local cancer centers in each of our yep. screenings to help spread the word. So, so, you were really, just, so you were really cognizant of what the marketing of the film would be before yeah, you even started. absolutely. And setting up those partnerships during production so that they could right. pay off at, at the distribution phase. And do you feel it is paying off right now? 100%. Being able to access all these mailing lists and, and tapping into... Um, resources that they already have as their own communities is, is um, exponentially sp uh, spreading the word as, as far as it can go. Right, and you know, this is, this is what, again, this is another topic we've, we've, we've covered on the, the podcast mm -hmm. with, um, I mean, if you're listening to this and you, and you want to check out more of this specific subject, I'd recommend listening to the episode that we do with Seed and Spark because they really go into, and VHX for that matter, because they, they really go into the details of understanding that your demographic isn't necessarily, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, white males between 18 to 54 mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, kids between 8 and 12. It's more about likes, interests, wants, desires, what people, who people actually are and finding those people. And, you, and you're going after not just kind of these big demographic type things you're going after. No, no, I want skaters. I want... You know, yeah, uh, cancer, survivors, cancer survivors. Yeah. I mm -hmm. want to uh, go to those organizations. So you're actually targeting, quote unquote, like real people rather than more abstract, you know, notions of who these people, right? You know, could yeah. be because it's you know you're you're very niche. Yeah. which I think is probably yeah. helping you right now in your distribution phase. I think that helps uh, the you know the the groundswell. I mean, we had this. You know, we set our sights high with this this Toronto screening that we're having. We rented the um, Toronto Center for the Arts. It's, it's an 800 seat theater, and it's sold it sold out in two weeks. It's crazy. That's All amazing. 800 tickets gone, and the, the process seems to be just steamrolling. So now, is this a, a thematic thing for you? Because you, you you've done skating, and before this, you did the, the film. Before this was was Full Out, which was a, again a true story about yep. a uh, a gymnast. Yeah. <laughs> so is this is this, is this you your know, thing? I think it was because um, I have three daughters now, and um, I've become a little bit of a, a softy. So you know, I, I wanted to create compelling content with you know strong female characters just something to leave them after i'm gone sort of thing some sort of you know, female driven stories with an inspirational quality to them so were you so you were you were looking for these kinds of stories and like actively looking for and and, they, and yeah. felt comfortable doing them right as well yeah just because right. yeah i guess these are the equivalent to my you know a dad joke sort of thing yeah and 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 full out which was the digit i mean from a marketing perspective uh would you can you talk about sort of how that came Sure, out? yeah, yeah. Um, well, Full Out is uh, based on the true story of Ariana Berlin, who was an up-and-coming gymnast who gets in a severe car accident and has to sort of relearn to use her body through the help of um, this coach at, at UCLA um, Gymnastics School, Coach Falcondo's Field. Which is on, it's on Netflix right now. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah okay. um, and that film did remarkably well. I mean, we... Uh, we sold to the family channel. In, in, I mean, first of all, it was made independently, 100% privately financed, um, had no attachments on board. We made the film and then started showing it around, and then DHX Media picked it up, and uh, Disney Australia or Disney Europe, and all over Australia. And then the Netflix deal happened, so the, the movie's gone out there all over the world. And then it then it came out uh, just over the um, like we made it to be in in, in tune with the, the Summer Olympics last year and. As the Olympics rolled out, 195 U.S. broadcasters picked it up for 
for a, a national sort of release across the states. Who is doing the uh, distribution or getting the placement for you? Um, so I work with a, a gentleman, Jeff Deverett. He's my uh, business partner, and Jeff did the syndication deals himself. No kidding. One by one. Contacted. He contacted each broadcaster. It was a, a massive undertaking. Okay, I want to hear more about this. This is really interesting. Yeah. So t tell me about that process. Um, well, Jeff was the one that did all the work, but from, uh, you know, there was a map up on the board in the office with um, sort of pins in it and, and every sort of broadcaster in, that, in each state. And with a book, we just called every broadcaster, sent them the link, and sort of, like I said, once the ball rolls. rolling. local broadcasters, like a local broadcast? Well, it's like NBC and New York. But like the local affiliate. Yeah. The, like, yeah, the yeah. NBC affiliate yeah. in New York. Yes, yeah. So you call, oh, I WSNBC yes. New yes. York. you got it. Call them. Yes. Speak to the? The programming manager there, the program director. Do you want to program this? Yes. And they say yes? Yes. And they pay you money? Uh, through a ad share revenue stream. So you, 50% um, of the ads that are uh, sold that night go yeah. to go to the filmmaker. But, okay. So it's a it's can a, we, it's a can we just blow it, my mind right there? Come on. It's a hard way to make a, um, sales. It's so much easier to go with a sales agent and just them do the work for you. But yeah. if, if you want no, but to, nobody does this. Nobody does it. This is the because it's ridiculous. Nobody it's ridiculous, and, and it's it's a massive undertaking. But are there companies that do this? Uh, that specialize in this. That I you don't were know. For? We. But this is what you did. Would you do it again? Uh, it's hard work, but I think the, the payoff was, was there for sure, for awareness' sake and for helping to pay How back investors. How many broadcasters did you say? 195 across the US. How many phone US. calls did you make to get the 195? Probably double that, at least, yeah. Okay, so you made 400 phone calls. Yes. <laughs> on an ad share. Sure. With, what, that's amazing. Yeah. I, sorry, I, I'm going to just emphasize this for just a second, because if you're listening to this or you're watching this on YouTube, that's, that's hustle. It's insane. That is it's hustling. insane as well. You, you you have to care about the return of your investors' money as well to, to be able to do this. But I'll tell you something else. You can do the same thing. I mean, that's the broadcast, the the direct broadcast route. But I've, um, you know, uh, worked with uh, and on projects where uh, filmmakers have done the same thing, but with independent theater chains in the United States. So you can call mm -hmm. them one by one by one by one by one, and you can take your film on a road show. Now, to a certain extent. Sites like the VHXs or the Seed and Sparks, they help you on that sort of theatrical yeah. release basis in terms of being able to book your film into a theater provided you can prove there's enough awareness. Mm -hmm. But this is a whole different ballgame. This is a whole different... I mean, we also had to do that to prove the awareness, uh, that there was an awareness of the film, and that's where we contacted... I mean, we had a series okay. of... So did this happen before the Netflix deal, or...? This happened... Uh, uh, in conjunction with, I believe it came out on Netflix um, a couple months later after the Olympics, if my timeline is Was there a right. windowing? Like it had to be, like Netflix said, like, no, 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 it can't no, be. They didn't, no. care. they didn't care. They didn't care, no. Okay, so yeah. did, did this help you get the Netflix deal? I believe it was in place first. Oh, Netflix was in place first, yeah. and then you did this? Yes. Did you contact Netflix directly, or did uh, you have somebody do that for you? Uh, it was through DHX, I believe. So they made yeah. that sale yes. for you. So you that gave them, yeah. they, did they take international rights then? Or, yes. Or, uh, yeah. Including the U.S.? Uh, not excluding U.S. Excluding so. U.S.? Yeah. Okay, so, but the Netflix deal still went into the U.S., but they still made a U.S. deal for you? Correct. Global Netflix yeah. deal. And then you. we did the U.S. broadcast with uh, Lifetime, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You did, oh, so you did a U.S. broadcast with Lifetime Network in the States yes. and also did all this local stuff yourself? That's right, yeah. 
dude. That's it's insane. Sick. It's insane. Yeah, but you know, but it's like you got to be the master today, of your own. Yeah, but today, that's insane. Maybe I don't know five years ago, but today, that's what it takes to win. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. I mean, it's like I said, it's so easy to sign away your worldwide rights, and but you're not in control of your your destiny, right? Yeah, no, so. I'm I'm Thor. I I got to tell you, every time I do one of these podcasts, as I and I say this, it's always about. It's funny. We're twenty six minutes into mm. the podcast, and I always say it takes a little bit of time to warm up, to figure out, and to find that 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 piece of wisdom that somebody who's listening to this can take away and try mm-hmm. and apply themselves. Now, I, what you're saying, I don't. I think ninety nine point nine percent of people who are listening will not do that, and frankly, probably shouldn't do that. But when you've got a product, which again has that marketable element mm-hmm. uh, at the right time and you know it can work, it's, a, it's like a, it, it's a perfect match. Yeah. It's a perfect match. So kudos to you, man. That's, Thank you. Appreciate that's it. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, and here we go. <laughs> here we are, sir. <laughs> this happens at least every episode. We right? have to have it happen every episode. We have to have it. <laughs> I'm trying I, I, to copy the lighting setup of another cinematographer. That's, uh, no, I did copy. last week. I did copy the lighting cinematographer. <laughs> well, funny, we, 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 so we had I Jeff do a... No, I thought I would sneak this episode in before he showed up, but no, couldn't do it. And he's back again with the hat, with the hat. With, same hat. It's I the same. I got that repaired, by the way. Did you? You got your hat repaired? Yeah, Hungarian woman. We're back. First it's the Russians, now it's the Hungarians. Well, well, she's the repair person, right? Right. So, little place, kind of industrial district, custom handbags. There's like 15 sewing machines from the 50s all lined up and two people working. Yeah, so Jeff, for those who are listening, Jeff Glickman walks in, of course, wearing his Russian fur hat. Patented. Patented Russian fur hat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hi, Sean, how are you? Nice to meet Sean. you. Sean. Sean Sisterna, how are you? I think we met. I think so. Sisterna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to have to cut this down I or not. I don't know. No, 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 should we cut this out? <laughs> we'll, we'll let it roll? All right. I don't know where you guys are in solving the problems of the film business, but please, we're, tell me. We're almost there. I think we've solved it. We've come close. You actually... I think we've cracked the code. You actually put together the puzzle that... We Rubik's Cube the shit out of this. And you thought you were in a losing business. <laughs> no. Thanks to these men, you can make millions of dollars today. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you need a little comic relief yeah. every now and then. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, bye-bye. <laughs> Definitely leaving that, that in the show. Okay, I, good. I try and time this. So, you know, we have... You know, some real bonding time. A good yeah. rapport, and then he walks in. No, That's good. we can't do it. It's okay, though. Luckily, we had just cracked the code <laughs> to the film business. We did it. We, we did it. Okay. So, this movie's coming out. This is great. You, you know, sorry, full, full Out's done. We heard about that story. You've got yep. Kiss and Cry coming out. That's fantastic. What's next? What's next? Um, like I said earlier, I, I become obsessed with projects, and uh, this, this next one, I'm... I'm also very obsessed with and I will see it through somehow so we can follow up in a couple of years whether it happens or not but can I work on my pitch let me I've, I haven't pitched you it in public pitch yet this? sure sure you want to pitch this publicly let's do it right now let's do it to the whole world well to you and you let me know if there's uh if it's marketable if it hits all the right uh cues you so. can pitch it to me but if okay. you pitch it to me I'm telling you right now this is going on the air this isn't like you got to decide right now make that decision okay no okay well, then we can't do it what now you're scaring me what Oh, I have all the paperwork signed. It's okay, fine. Okay, fine. Go for it. Pitch okay, it. so uh, okay, I haven't done this yet before. So let me let me try to work on it on the fly. So in the in in the early 1970s, uh, these two brothers walk into their local broadcaster, a guy named Mitch Markowitz and Riff Markowitz, and they walk into their local broadcaster and say, "I can deliver 
110 episodes of an educational children's television series with a Hollywood star attached. And to their surprise, the broadcaster says yes. And now they're, they're stuck to, um, they have to assemble a ragtag group of misfits on, on very little money and eventually produce the uh, longest running kids show in Canadian television history that went around the world and, and created this cultural phenomenon. And that show, which starred Vincent Price, was a show called The Hilarious House of Frightenstein. And it's a show that Mike Myers grew up on and, and Jim Carrey that influenced their careers. And this, this, our movie is the, the telling of how that little low-budget Canadian series was shot in Hamilton, Ontario by this you know, crazy group of misfits and, and the, the, the risks that they, they took to make it happen. Cool. This yeah. is up next. This is up next. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. So, so yeah, we are going to have to come back because we, you know, because now that we've, we, we've said this, it's going to be a year. We're going to have to have you back on the show. Okay. We're going to have to talk about where this pitch went. Yeah. And, and we're going to do, do this a year from now. Okay. Or two years from now. It's a deal. How long it takes. It's a deal. Okay. Good. So before we sign up, because we do have some more time, I, I want to dig into a couple other things with you, if you don't mind. Let's do it. All right. You've made now, like we said, you've made a number of films, a lot of very varying experiences doing this. What are the, the, what are the takeaways that you would give to the person who's, uh, you know, listening or watching this and uh, thinking, you know, is this a business I want to go into? What, 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 are, the, what, what are the things... The highlights for you? Um, I don't know. I think the the biggest when I look back at my career and, and think of the what are those moments you're just that started? Sort of, yeah, yeah, you're just getting warmed um, up in my late thirties. So getting warmed yeah. up. Anyway, okay. sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think one of the turning points was was risking my own money, my Visa and, and Mastercard, and and believing enough in in the project to ensure a return on on those on those funds that I put in. Right. So I think, I mean, the only way you can really test your wherewithal in the industry is to to, to risk something that is your own, and it's, it's very easy to take you know private people's money and, and treat it like it you know if you know if the film doesn't do anything then it's then that money's gone, not my fault. But it, when when your money's on the line, then it's um, it it forces you to ensure the success of that project, and that's kind of like the philosophy I like to use in in each project moving forward. Like how can I ensure the return for my investors on this on this project that's great mm-hmm. that's actually really uh shit that's good stuff hey, dude man. you're just dropping gold mines here thanks man i appreciate it i love that <laughs> i love that no that, i think that's really important too because uh it's, it's a very foolish thing to do as well well but you know rule number one of this business is don't spend your own money mm-hmm. that is rule number one mm-hmm. but you 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 are Flying in the face of rule number one and saying, which is also kind of similar to the, 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 the piece of advice that I give anybody who asks me about the business. And my first piece of advice that anybody who ever asks me is, should I go into the film business? My first piece of advice is no. Don't do it. That's, a, I, that's good advice. Well, I also believe you have to hear no. I also believe that somebody has to say, don't do it. These are all the reasons why you shouldn't do it. And you have to not only hear no and want to do it anyway. Yeah. I think that's what this business is about. You get no's right. every day. Like when, when I came to your door, you slammed the door and said no. And I, I knock, did. Knock again. And well, I didn't really want you to do that. I didn't really want to do this podcast right. with you. Just, you showed up and you were like, dude, I want to come on the show. And I was like, okay, no. fine. Okay. Fine. And I, I happened it. to have this whole, you know, this <laughs> set up, here, set up yeah. and it was just all ready to go. But you persisted. You made your way in. And now I'm here. You, tack- yeah. you, you, you tackle me. And the funny thing is, and here we go, full circle. Apparently, so Sean walks in the door today and she, and she goes, 
goes to me, so is your wife so and so? And I'm like, yeah. How do you how do you know my how do you know my wife, Sean? <laughs> and he's like, well, my first actual movie, which you didn't talk about here on this. On well, I produced that one. So you produced yeah. that one. So on the first movie, on it, my wife started out in the camera department, uh, working way up. That's not how I met her, by the way, for you people who are listening. But uh, it turns out that on on my your brother's first keeper, movie, yeah, my brother's keeper, back in 2004. Uh, you, my wife, worked on that movie. That's right. Which is so weird. I remember hanging out with her on the camera truck, and just, I think she was loading film, like actual film strips, in, in a bag at the time. Yeah, at the time, it, that's, yeah. well, that was the age of film, man. Yeah. That, was, that was what it was all about. Yeah. And our first film, uh, which is, it's not hanging up here, it's hanging over there. Our first film, Jeff says to me, now I'll, I remember this, he says to me, let's make our film, this is 2005, 2006, the movie was Killing Zelda Sparks, uh, people who, whatever, want to see it, but the, the uh, we made the conscious decision at the time to make it on film because that was the last chance we would ever have to make a movie on film. Now, frankly, I don't know whether that mattered. It probably didn't, mm-hmm. but we did make it on film. Yeah. So we know what that was like to call up Kodak and say, I need, you know, so many feet mm-hmm. of film and da-da-da-da-da. And anyway, there we go. That's cool. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. that, that's good. One, give, me, give me one other bit of, uh, of wisdom here from, from, your, from but, your travels. Um... Try to get a well-rounded film education. So, like I said, I, I, I produce. I had a necessity to develop my own projects, um, to direct my own projects, and edit, and then. Actually, uh, let me ask you this. Yeah. this is curious because I've noticed this about about your films. I wouldn't say your films are like star-driven films. They're 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 they're, mm. they're project-driven films, whatever the hell that means. But they're yeah. they're they're I, I don't know idea-driven films, but they're not star-driven films. Do you do you ever think about the the quote-unquote star quotient, like when you when you're um, because it, it factors so heavily into the marketing, but it doesn't seem to be something that's really playing into the project that you're making. Uh, I think, you know, we, we, you know, obviously we're independents. We can't compete with the, the Hollywood level thing. So, like, you know, with Kiss and Cry, it's a, it's a romantic drama at the heart of it. But, you know, if, if it's a romantic drama, you need those big stars. So, we, you know, in, in, we made the decision in development and, and marketing of this project that it's a, you know, we shouldn't focus on be, being a romantic drama. It's a cancer movie. Right. Um, so there's different ways you can you can play around not having, you know, big stars attached. I mean, we have Chantelle Kravyajak is in the movie. She's a Canadian singer. Um, and Sarah Fisher is uh, on Degrassi. She's, she was actually Carly Allison's best friend in real life. So that's a marketing tool there as well, like this. Yeah, Actress is playing her best friend. Uh, yeah. Sha- I mean, Chantal's mm-hmm. great, but I, mm-hmm. uh, obviously I love Chantal singing, yeah. but I, I'm just generally speaking, these these aren't like, you know, you right. haven't gone after no, no. so-and-so name to put on a box cover. Right, you know, right. You know. Yeah, the concepts seem to stand on, on their own as well, and they're, they're marketable because of that. Right. And that's what we're, we're finding when we go to the markets as well. Um, and that's and that's another, I guess, piece of uh, wisdom I could pass along. Go to, go to markets, go to festivals. I mean, did you, did you talk to sales companies in advance? We did. Yeah. Uh, not in advance. Afterwards, after we oh, made the film. Did yeah. you did you decide? Was that like a decision for you? You wanted to talk to them after the film versus before the film? Uh, yes. Yeah. After the film, because we had um, because it was greenlit so quick, the we kind of went to production right away, and then as soon as we had a cut, we went to we were at MIP. Right. Yeah. So you you took it, like you just showed it. You went to MIP. Yes. As just a producer, got a badge, yes. whatever, went yep. around and just yep. started knocking on doors. And started making sales. It was good. Sold already. So, oh, sorry. Like you were set making the sales directly, or what? What, what were you, were you my, trying to find the sales company to make sales for you? 
So that's what we didn't want to do this time around. So we sold our world rights on the last movie. Yeah. And we got a certain amount back. This time we wanted to t- take the full-out approach and, and uh, meet with salespeople in each territory rather than signing away world rights. Okay, so you want, doing, to, you want to find buyers in each yeah. territory, so like a, uh, so we went to, a, a distributor or a DVD package or a broadcaster direct. In, in each territory, rather than going with the world, you know, sort of a world deal. And how did you do the research for that? Uh, over a number of markets. So we, you know, went three years ago and sort of met everybody and then weeded down the ones we liked and then... The following year, maintain those relationships, and this year we signed deals with everyone that we did like, and they have proven fortuitous. These are re- like uh, country-specific distributors we're yes. talking about? Yeah. So you would say, okay, I'm going to sell to a, give me one distributor that you sold to. Uh, France, so M- M6 in France. You sold to M6 so, in France. So they bought the movie, they're, I think they're airing it uh, in the next couple months. Great. Um, and uh, they took all rights for France for Fran- France and French speaking Belgium. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. then Germany, Italy, that sort of thing. Same down thing, the line. all the way down the line. Yep. So, you, so you are. So you. Okay. So you. You might as well just hang a booth and say you're a sales company in that sense, because that's what you were doing. Essentially, yeah. You were your own sales company, and it just cuts out the the middleman middle of. And yeah. you've got those relationships now. And now we can and now we can set up co-productions with these people as well. It's yeah. great. It's a it's a it was an invaluable learning experience going to these markets and and finding like-minded partners around the world. Did you feel that um, because you said MIPCOM as opposed to say an AFM mm-hmm. or a was it was it, it was there was that a conscious decision to do a MIP um, the also, TV version of, of the film side which would be like the Cannes Film Festival or AFM or Berlin you know, festival, the market. Uh, yeah, I think just because our, our film uh, is more family-friendly, I'd right. say. Like, there's not a lot of swearing. It's, you know, it's a, it's a teen movie. Um, so ultimately, we knew it would play really well on television, and, and that's what we wanted to, to focus on at the TV market. Okay, so you were you felt it was more of a TV skewing project, so you wanted to go to a TV market and, and sell we, But and you were selling to distributors, yeah. which were our film distributors. Yeah. These aren't just TV companies. Yeah. These, are, these are actual dis- regional distributors. Right, and they float between both markets anyway, so right. it wasn't really... wasn't really much difference. No, not But at did all. you go to an AFM or a CAN or Berlin? Yep, yep. Which one? Uh, AFM. You went to AFM. Mm-hmm. Uh, and did you find there was a difference between the markets? Same sort of people there as well. Yep. yep. Different, uh, were you making sales also at AFM to directly to people? Uh, I think we, the people, well, we went to MIPCOM first and then AFM was a couple weeks later yeah. and we just rekindled those relationships. Oh, and, so you did the whole, oh, you did the October, November. Yeah, outlet. yeah. Oh, that's even, yeah. that's more rather than doing like AFM in November and right. doing like MIP in, in, in yeah. uh, April, mm-hmm. something like that, which mm-hmm. I thought you had done. But no, you, so you actually did them back to back. Yes. Saw a bunch of people in, at MIPCOM yep. in October. Picked up the bags, yep. went down to LA, went to AFM, saw those, some of those same people again, made some sales that time, or just uh, kept the relationship Well, th- this going. was only like a, six weeks ago, so those yeah. sales are still right. ongoing. You, right. know, you kind of pitch them and wait for the response from the broadcaster, but it looks like doing it this way, you know, rather than giving away world rights, is going to yield a better profit for our film. That's fantastic. And I love, again, I love what you're doing because you don't hear it very often. Most filmmakers do the other thing. Yeah. Uh, give away all rights to a sales company, mm-hmm. which, you know, look, 
it is a different business. Mm-hmm. Selling a film is a different business than making mm-hmm. a film. If you are a sales company, that is your job to, I mean, these relationships, you know, take years to foster. It's a, as one distributor that I know and like very much, they, they tell me it's a very mature market, which basically means these relationships are deep, long-lasting relationships. So what you're doing is creating long, long-term value mm-hmm. for your filmmaking career by, quote-unquote, cutting out the middleman. But it, that is a hard, hard road. And I got to mm-hmm. say, it takes guts. And uh, I, 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 you're doing the right thing. Unquestionably, mm-hmm. you're doing the right thing. Uh, but it's a hard road. And, but ultimately, uh, it yields more profit. And doesn't it feel so good to, to, to write a check to your investors and, and financiers yeah. and pay them back? It the just, money it comes just... to you directly. You pay back your investors yep. directly. Yep. And then a couple months later, you go pitch the next project to the same people. So it's a, a cycle of yeah. saying yes all the time, which is yeah. nice. And I got to tell you, like, again, people who are listening to this, 90, I know, 90... Seven, I'm going to drop down. It was 99.9 last time. 97% of people who are listening to this probably won't do what you're doing because it is so, so it's difficult daunting. It's daunting, to yeah. do because you can't, you don't see results right away. Mm-hmm. You ha- it, like you said, you're three years into that mm-hmm. process and you're still probably just getting started with yeah. it, which is, again, amazing. Sean, yeah. this has been an awesome pod. I didn't know what to expect this time, but dude, you came, you showed up, you delivered the goods. Way more than 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 I thought. I mean, hell, I just thought you were a schmuck knocking at my door. <laughs> Thank turns you for letting out, me in. It turns out it was a good thing letting yeah. me in. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Jesse. This Thanks very much. Okay, so it, uh, we're recording this podcast on January 11th, but your film's coming out, for those who are listening, on February... Uh, February 4th, across the country in, on World Cancer Day, and then yeah. February 10th in, in Toronto. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. Everybody, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Depending on when you're listening to this episode, and I do hope that you enjoyed it, Kiss and Cry, Sean's latest film, is either out or about to come out. I'd like to end today's episode with a song that was written by the late Carly Allison and uh, performed uh, by Sarah Fisher, her real-life best friend. Would it make you say all that you want?